Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here, another episode of ATDC Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. First up, I got Andrew Gawasak, and he is with Trustamp. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me again. Um, it's been, what, a month, two months since uh, we've seen you? Yeah, last? it's been about uh-huh. two or three months. So anything new happening at Trustamp? Yeah, I feel I like I've, I, I've been everywhere between <laughs> the Valley and Abu Dhabi. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, see it's, the world. Uh, it, it's been an interesting last three months. Um, yeah, just finished the um, plug and play fintech program out there um, in Abu Dhabi with ADGM and actually just won the uh, People's Choice Award there. Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of fun stuff going on right Congratulations. now. Congratulations. But before we get too far into things in the update, why don't you share a little bit about Trustamp and talk about in general terms how you're serving folks? Sure. So um, for a lot of people uh, in the security space, particularly who handle identity, authentication and fraud, um, they know that when onboarding people and when helping them, for example, recover their accounts, um, complex usernames and passwords are hard to use. Those knowledge based authentication questions um, have all had their answers leaked through various breaches around the world. Um, and they're starting to look at things like biometrics. Uh, but one of the challenges there is that most biometrics are tied to an assumed source of truth, like an ID document. And the fraudsters are figuring out that they can either uh, buy these or make them themselves with very uh, sophisticated machinery. And so what Truststamp provides is not only a proprietary uh, proof of liveness technology for facial biometrics, um, but the ability to what we call hash a biometric, and then store that in an identity lake. It's an identity. It's a data lake for identities, and you can compare your biometric hashes against all other previous hashes. So you can spot instances where a biometric has appeared under a different account and wash those out of your system. We call that deduplication. Now, um, this technology is proprietary to you guys. Yes. So you developed it and then you brought it to market. Over how long has it been? Oh gosh, yeah. So uh, as of this month, it's been three years, and it's it's been an interesting journey because we started off again initially looking at facial biometrics um, with that proof of life technology. You know, initially it was all right. Let's get a biometric that washes out the bots. Mm-hmm. You know, let's make the fraudsters use a live person each time. Um, but then as we began to work with more and more um, enterprises. You know, they expressed that if they were going to use this data, it needed to be in a format that was secure and compliant. And so that's part of the idea of the hashing technology. Hashing is a one-way process, um, so it can't be reverse engineered. And so um, it's treated as non-PII data. And actually, under GDPR, it's treated as pseudo-anonymized data. Um, So it's compliant there as well. Um, and more importantly, again, it's easy to um, use within or across your institution because now it's just a bunch of um, bytes and numbers. You're no longer passing, for example, images. And you can, again, run that deduplication process and be able to say, have I encountered this live person before? And if I have, um, you know, do, do the credentials match? Now, how is this or is it related to blockchain? So it is what we call uh, blockchain ready. Uh, one of the things we saw very early on is a lot of the businesses we work with aren't quite ready 
um, to pull the trigger on a blockchain solution for something like uh, user accounts. And so while we believe firmly that blockchain is going to be a technology and a capability that's very important uh, for identity <laughs> solutions, um, we know for a lot of people they're just not ready for it right now, so we don't twist anyone's arm to use it. But in your belief, you're bullish on blockchain for the long term? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the hash really lends itself to that just because, again, um, it can't be reverse engineered into the original biometric. Um, and so being able to take advantage of the tamper-proof nature of a blockchain would be really valuable. Now, you mentioned account recovery. Um, why is that such an important focus for you guys? Yeah, so for uh, a lot of businesses, um, if they can't uh, verify that you are actually the account owner, um, they have to either put you through more hoops. I think we've all sat on the uh, the, the call center line for 10 plus That's minutes right. or so. That's right, with my password, and they're texting me yeah. stuff, and, and the, the, they're asking for blood. Yeah, and right if, it's a, if it's a bank, you've got to remember, you know, uh, what was the payment on your house in, <laughs> right. you know, 2009, <laughs> right. if you can remember that. Uh, and it's a very painful process. And so, um, you know, losing a customer there um, has a direct economic cost. And so you want to do everything that you can to retain that customer while at the same time not creating a security gap that, again, fraudsters can exploit over and over again using right. bots or some other means. Now, are you finding the customer is, I mean, everybody, when they're going through it, they're frustrated, but it's one of these things where you're bombarded with information about how much there are fraudsters around every corner and there is so many danger so that is the customer just kind of tolerating this at this point and you think there'll be a tipping point where they they're not going to tolerate this yeah so for a lot of people they find that you know again taking a, a selfie is a much smoother and easier experience than, you know, again, what you described, where it's, I've got to submit my blood type and I've got to, you know, again, remember what my last right. payment on my car was three months ago. And, um, you know, I, I have to submit my mother's maiden name and my social security number in the last four digits of my credit card. All of that is a very painful it's process for most of right. us. And it's actually not secure anymore because, again, all that data is floating is around. The, the fraudsters know it better than you do. Right. So now your solution is by taking a selfie, that tells the company who I am, that I'm alive at this moment, and that uh, I'm me. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, first off, again, it, it verifies you're a live person. You're not just a bot, you know, right. coming after the system. Um, you know, we can either, if they collect biometrics when you registered, compare the biometric to the one they have on record. A biometric or, meaning like facial recognition? Exactly. Uh, or they can compare it to the image, let's say, on a driver's license. And again, provided the correlation is high enough and it uh, matches the company's threshold. And the beauty is they can adjust it depending on their, their industry or their regulatory requirements. Um, they can compare those and know, yeah. That's actually a live person, and that is the person who we believe it is. Let's do you go have and let to do in. something? Is, do they say, like, okay, take a selfie, but hold up one hand, or do you do something that shows that it's not a Photoshop picture of me? So in the early days of facial biometrics, that was the case, and it, we actually watched someone from the intelligence community uh, beat it in less than 30 seconds with two pieces of paper. And so uh, we leveraged that person's mm -hmm. experience and some recommendations on who we should work with from a technical perspective when we were first billing our technology. So for Trust Stamp Solution, no need to hold up a hand, wink at the camera, anything like that.
So you're able to tell that it is me and not a photo of somebody that says they're me. We know you're not a picture. We know you're not a high quality video or um, even a 3D printed mask. Wow. Um, some fraudsters are going that far. Really? Mm-hmm. They're, this is their job. The this fraudsters. is their full-time job. As, they, as the uh, chief fraud officer at one of our uh, largest clients said, when you put this in their way, they are not going to go home and get a job at McDonald's. <laughs> these, people, these people are not just going to quit. They are innovative, they are determined, and they are incredibly creative. Um, they don't get enough credit for that. And so that's what you have to take into account when you're building this type of solution. But the beauty of, again, building this identity lake is that it's, one, no longer scalable, but two, there is a very high cost. Because think about it this way. If I'm a fraudster, and I'm going to defraud you, I need to um, be sure I can do it again and again and again for it to be really valuable for me. Right, because they're not doing to defraud one person. No, they're going to submit thousands or tens of thousands of applications. They're going through what you're doing and trying to scale a company. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're trying to scale their business. Right. Um, And so, but if 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 I have your biometric and I have a record of it and I can compare it again and again and again, well, now you can only ever beat me once. That's not really scalable. Right. And if you're, for example, a large company who controls multiple businesses, I've now washed myself out of a whole bunch of opportunities that I could have just beaten over and over again. And so I'm going to go look for new opportunities like many of us. Fraudsters usually look for the path of least resistance. And then um, for your company, are you... We talked about the account recovery, but are there other emerging markets that you guys are looking at? Yeah, so we're looking at bringing this technology um, to emerging markets where uh, a lot of people actually don't have any identity. Um, and there's a really like interesting... what's an example of that? So an example is um, there are, uh, for example, emerging markets in Africa where there is not a national ID or there is a very, very small percentage of the population who has access to that national ID. However, these people, for example, um, want to be able to receive aid from non-government organizations or they want to be ac- actually be able to participate um, in the, the financial market. All of those require identities. And so the beauty of our technology, and again, that deduplication process, is if I collect your facial biometric and I hash it, um, I, at least for the initial stages of entering the market, I don't actually need to know who you are. All I need to do is be able to communicate to the market, I've seen this person before, here's the credentials they gave me, make sure it doesn't appear again under, for example, a, a, a different name or a different mm-hmm. uh, uh, credential. And so there, um, what we're doing is we're actually going to be starting with um, um, aid providers, uh, particularly those providing vaccinations. Um, so we'll be able to say initially, hey, look, we have vaccina- vaccinated this person before. Uh, make sure that you don't vaccinate them again. In that <laughs> case, there's the benefit of, um, again, not harming someone, right. uh, but also knowing who has been encountered before. From there, you can expand it to, okay, now we are distributing seed to local farmers. Make sure that these are actually local farmers and uh, you know, not black market salesmen coming to get more than their fair share and then rip off the locals. Uh, make sure that we haven't encountered this person before. And from there, you can expand it to, all right, we're now providing microloans to this population. Again, make sure that we've encountered this person before and no one abuses the system. There's, there's an old expression that they have the opportunity to skip copper. 
Um, the expression comes from um, when they were uh, building phone networks in Africa. Unlike here in the U.S., where you have to deal with copper lines, they went straight to fiber. Well, now they have the opportunity to do that with identity. They don't have to deal with the legacy systems like our social right. security it, numbers and all those things. So you they, can just get to the good stuff and, and bypass all of the kind of learning curve we were all on. You got it. So now um, when you're working with banks, um, I guess around the world now? Yeah. What yeah. are some of the challenges that they're um, kind of struggling with? Yeah. So the the challenges they face, at least initially, is again... Because they have those legacy systems. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to kind of battle through. So one of the problems is, okay, how do we come up with an identifier um, that, again, is compliant and secure and does not conflict with my existing systems? Um, as I mentioned before, we can set up this hashing system so I actually don't need to know your social security number. I don't actually need to know um, what your credit score is. I don't need to know any of that information, at least for um, identity and for deduplication. All I need to know is be able to tell the bank is, hey, we've seen this hash before or we haven't. And then if, for example, you commit a crime, flag it for them so that they can create a, a gray list. Right, because you're just looking at the behavior. Exa well, yeah, we're just looking at the, the biometric in that case. Right, again, that this person has come through here and everything was fine. Yep. That's kind of binary, right? Yeah, for well, the, the, the decision the bank makes is binary. The, the AI obviously has to take into account all those different factors. But yeah, right. we, we, we make but it a binary you want decision it to be. for them. It's yes or no, on or off. You right? got it. So now um, through the process, you mentioned it's been several years now from idea to now this is kind of, I would imagine it's expanding rapidly because it's such an urgent concern for all of these entities and all the, in, in a lot of different areas. What was the thinking of being part of the ATDC uh, kind of ecosystem? Yeah, so um, obviously the, the part of the beauty of the ATDC system is um, just the sheer amount of experience they have here. Um, you know, it is... I think it is the oldest. Um, yeah, they're the OGs of. Yeah, exactly. They're, 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 they're the OGs of startups and, and, and innovation, at least for Atlanta. Um, and obviously, it brings to bear um, all of the technical resources of Georgia Tech. Um, and it doesn't hurt um, that they also attract a lot of major enterprises, government contractors, et cetera, as you're looking for those clients who come here, you know, to see the fantastic students. And maybe we'll make a stop by here to see what, you know, the wacky uh, uh, startups are working on. Um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. And the, the amount of positive serendipity that can happen around here is awesome. Now, how did you get into the loop? Because you're not from Georgia Tech, right? Your background wasn't. Yeah. So I am not nearly smart enough to be able to claim <laughs> to be a, a Georgia Tech student. Um, so we were um, allowed into the ATDC network um, after we won the uh, TAG FinTech Award. Um, we were named um, the most promising uh, FinTech innovation for that year. But why were um, you in Georgia? So I'm actually Georgia native. Um, and my co-founder, despite his um, incredibly charming uh, BBC English, has actually lived here for the last 23 years. Um, and so that's how he and I initially connected. Um, you know, we're both married. We want to stay married. And so starting in Georgia, Georgia made a lot of sense. And then the, as the community opened up to us, we realized it makes a lot of sense to stay here and continue to operate out of, out of Atlanta. And then from ATDC, you, can you point to things where you're like, you know what, this really 
helped us and was instrumental in our success? Are there relationships or resources? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when we were um, uh, raising our most recent round, uh, we went on several road shows to the Valley, to New York, uh, et cetera. And so that was all set up through ATDC. And I now have a huge Rolodex of some of the biggest um, investment firms uh, around the country. Um, but also they help, for example, in um, obtaining talent. So um, one of our uh, interns last year um, is actually a Georgia Tech student and produced some fantastic work um, on the design uh, and marketing side. And she's been a huge help with everything from you know creating our pitch decks to providing valuable feedback and commentary on our marketing collateral and our website, et cetera. And again, all that is made possible because of ATDC and Georgia Tech. Now, in your uh, company's growth, um, a lot of times I would imagine you're kind of leading them, right? Or the or are the customers kind of telling you what they want and what they need, or are you kind of saying, "Hey, watch out for this." Or is it a collaboration? Sometimes it's a combination of both. Um, so, um, you know, if someone reaches out to me, it's usually because they've read something we've posted, they've heard something uh, like this uh, uh, production, and they want to learn more because something something resounded with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had um, one of the largest credit bureaus reach out to us directly um, through my own personal LinkedIn just because they heard us say something interesting on a, on a, on a program like this. Um, Let's just say it was this program. Yeah. <laughs> just, just for argument's sake, we'll, we'll say it was. Um, other times, you know, for example, um, I do a lot of um, public speaking engagements. I participate in panels, et cetera, um, because a lot of these problems aren't going away. And there's a lot of thinking actively around it. And you have to be a part of that dialogue. And you have to pose something um, interesting and actually innovative. People are getting, especially in the fraud and identity space, are getting real tired of the same solution rehashed. Um, no pun intended there. Um, and so you you have to actively have your message out there so someone can sit back afterwards and go, huh, that actually sounds different and let them start doing the math of where it fits into their uh, overall solution. So what's next for you guys? Uh, so for us, for this year, um, we're doing a pretty aggressive push um, into the MENA region, and we'll be uh, operating largely out of Abu Dhabi in collaboration with ADGM and Plug and Play. Um, the others we're focusing on um, South and Central America. Uh, there are a lot of um, fairly mature financial systems there, but major fraud pl- problems that need to be addressed. And a lot of people overlook those markets um, because they just don't know how to enter them. And fortunately, um, we have a strategic partner. Um, now who will open a lot of doors for us and plug and play has continued to prove to be instrumental in opening those uh, global markets to us. So um, what do you need more of right now? Um, can I get more hours in a day? More, can, can I get more of that? Or? More talent, I would think, is a, a hard one for you guys. Well, again, through Georgia Tech, actually get, getting access to talent actually became a lot easier. They really? they, they really opened those doors for us. So they uh, have they kind of altered the curriculum to kind of 
get ahead of, of this? I mean, is there a collaboration with you and Georgia Tech say, look, we need yeah. people that have these kind of skills. Yeah, absolutely. There is a there's a team member. Her name is Joy. She she helps flag for us when all of the career fairs are coming up here at Georgia Tech. She'll tell you exactly which departments are going to be there. She'll let you know who you're, and I'm using air quotes here, no one can see it, mm-hmm. but competing against, so what other corporates will be there. Um, and she'll, you know, she'll be very honest. She'll say, look, here's how you actually vet someone and make sure that they're actually a fit for you. Also, this is what this student has been told to do by their department when looking for an opportunity. So appeal to that if you actually want to bring this person on right. your team. And so, um, you know, it's, she's, she's a great resource. And again, I think one of those very underutilized resources here at ATDC, because to your point, one of the ways you feel like you have more hours in the day is to bring on more good people. Now, from a customer standpoint, what is the pain they're having where the solution is to call Trustamp? Yeah, so the, the, I think, most overlooked problem that we solve is twofold. Um, one is that account recovery piece. Um, so, again, your customer is locked out of their account or they've triggered something that you now suspect that the account has been compromised. I mean, there's a direct economic cost there. Um, in the last report by the um, ABA, the American Banker Association, the average cost for each account that you close is between 61 and $66. And that's not taking into account um, the opportunity costs that you may have been right. able to continue to do business with that um, customer. But also, you lose goodwill. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had to jump through hurdles just to get back into my own account, and I say, forget it. I'm going to the other person who provides a service that's comparable to this. So there's a threefold cost there. And again, Trustamp's solution allows you to not only um, reinforce it to make sure that fraudsters can't get in through that route, but to make sure that you keep more of your genuine customers. And the second one that's an extension to that in a very similar process is what we call second chance approval. It's where someone's trying to come into your system, they're trying to apply for your service, um, and you can't quite establish their identity through traditional means. Well, now you have another way, again, to make sure that that is a real person, that's not a bot, that's not a fraudulent person, uh, but you give a genuine customer the account, the opportunity to prove, hey, I am actually a good customer, you want to allow me in. And again, there's a direct benefit to you allowing more good people into your system. Well, if somebody wanted to learn more and have more substantive conversation, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Uh, best way to get a hold of us is to email me directly. Um, it's agawasak at truststamp.ai. Or you can look us up on our website and go to our contact us section. And that's just truststamp.ai. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. No, thanks for having me again. All right. Hang with us. Got a couple more guests. Next up on ATDC Radio, I have... Charu Thomas with Oculogics. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me this morning. All right. So did you learn anything there? Yeah. You're scared now? I'm a little bit scared. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, um, yeah, I I just had a problem similar to that where I had to cancel my credit and debit card. So this is clearly like something that's impacted me personally as well. All you have to do is call Andrew. He'll take care of you. I'll email you too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us about Oculogic. Oculogics. How are you serving folks? Sure. So we are building an augmented reality platform that makes order picking in warehouses faster and more accurate. So order picking is a process where workers go inside the warehouse, find the items that you order, and then ship them off to you. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, it's a really expensive process, and it's really difficult, too. So it's about 60% of the operational costs of warehouses, which is millions of dollars, 
for each facility. And it's also a really difficult process. I mean, you're carrying around reams of paper and a bulky barcode scanner, and you're wandering around racks for eight to 10 hours a day. It's not the most fun job. And all of this stuff looks similar? Yeah, well, uh, what do you mean like similar? Like the barcode, you're looking at words and exactly. text and barcodes, so like. Yeah, it's really confusing. It's right. really like overwhelming. Um, yeah, I, I've had to do it before, and it's it's pretty difficult. <laughs> um, you know, just mentally, like just focusing. To do that on for hour after hour, exactly. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, what's your solution do? Um, so, uh, we have an augmented reality software platform that works on heads-up displays like Google Glass and any other Android heads-up displays, and basically, it shows the order picker where to go, what to pick out, and then lets them do that more quickly. So, we can get significantly faster speeds. Um, in most cases, up to 40%, so faster than like traditional methods. So they, they put on these goggles or this headset, and then they walk around. Is it like kind of having, like uh, when you were a kid, it was like uh, you're getting warmer, like, you know, colors are showing up that I'm in the neighborhood of where I'm supposed to be? Um, it's actually really minimal. It's a minimal display, so you can see everything around you, and it just provides um, good guidance to to the next place. So we have lo like a location view and then an item view. So mm -hmm. when you're at the location, you can scan the location and then an item view. Clearly that differs for each particular client based on their particular process, but that's generally the gist of it. Now are your clients primarily in the retail space or they can be in any space? Um, yeah, they can be in any space. Um, we have some e-commerce, food service, um, really any case or item picking, um, which is a big majority of warehouses that you'd think of. Now, how did this idea begin? Like, what was the initial kind of the ember that started this all? Um, yeah, so I actually um, was a researcher at Georgia Tech. Um, I just graduated <laughs> very recently. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, in industrial engineering. Yeah. And um, I was working with the inventor of Google Glass um, on this research. So essentially, we were investigating heads-up display in the process, um, and we just saw some extremely drastic benefits of using it, not in not just in terms of speed, but also accuracy, in terms of mental workload and stuff like that. So it was really interesting. Um, in fact, just a few months ago, we won best paper at an international wearable computing conference. So um, yeah, we've been, been working on this, um, just iterating, and um, the research has been taking place for close to a decade now. So it's been so it's fairly mature yeah yeah it's like more mature than i guess the lay person would think exactly yeah we've been working on like really it's been conceived like it was conceived in like 2008 like that's when like the first studies happened so mm -hmm. yeah so now it improves speed it improves accuracy the people wearing it they are they happy they're wearing it or they like how long does it take them to train to do it is it pretty easy to implement yeah no it's pretty easy to implement um so it takes about like 15 minutes to train and um in terms of mental workload like even in our papers i don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head but um <laughs> yeah it's about like it, it's clearly the best um in terms of mental workload and like focus so like if, if before this they could do a hundred, like what is this? Does it increase it double or like? Yeah, it's up to forty percent faster in most cases, wow. and up to like eighty percent some in some cases. Yeah. So now is it being it? You mentioned it's kind of been around a while. Is it stuff that is out there right now implemented? Yeah, or no. Like it, what stage of, are you at in the company? Um, so we have a few clients, mostly like 
bigger enterprise types of clients. So um, Nouvelle Brands, for instance, and a lot of other like really big companies, because I think people are really understanding how important it is to implement technology in the supply chain, because even the biggest companies, the ones that you'd expect to be super like technically advanced, like ahead of the game, it's right. still challenging, right? Like it's just it's just a hard problem to solve, right. just mathematically even. So um, yeah, it's really awesome to see like them implementing new technologies, not just this, but other kinds of solutions. So now when you're working with the company, they see the pain, they understand this, I would imagine pretty quickly, the benefits of this, is that true? Or is it hard to have conversations with them? I think, well, I don't think it's hard to have conversations with them. I think they're really open to it, but um, they are a little bit concerned about, um, you know, safety, and there's a, a little bit of concern about the maturity of the technology. Um, but, you know, I think after speaking with them and, like, really understanding, um, I guess we try to alleviate some of those concerns. So, like, for, for example, with the safety concern, a lot of the Android-based headsets, especially Google Glass, are OSHA compliant, um, and, you know, they've been used in these kinds of environments, you know, it's completely clear display. Right. It's not like it's, you know, this yeah. kind of looking through a peephole. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and we try to make mm. the display as um, minimal and less distracting as mm -hmm. least just, yeah, not as distracting, not as, distracting. <laughs> um, as we possibly can. So um, that, that covers a safety thing. Um, in terms of the maturity of the technology, like I said, like this has been in research for a long time, but we've also Im implemented this in real systems, which is like really interesting and it's been great to see like the you know the before and after really and right. in real environments so. so now when you're doing you're explaining to them they all agree there's a problem they all agree that this would be great if this could work the way that you tell us then do you do some sort of a beta or pilot type of thing like okay let's test it in this small area to see if this is going to fly or not yeah no that's exactly what we do so um we have this uh what we call the integrationless pilot because clearly one of the hardest because the they don't want to kind of redo everything they're doing right exactly. so they want to test it in a kind of a a plug and play way where I can just pop it in, see if it works, and then if it works, we can expand it, but I don't have to disrupt my existing situation, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And we, we try to make it as um, quick and easy, you know, just a quick test for them to see the actual ROI. Right. Um, so and they can do their own ROI map exactly. at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't so have we to sell have sell anything <laughs> at that. Right, right. No, exactly. We, because I personally believe that, like, one of the biggest challenges is like seeing this because you know it's kind of abstract but then when right. you put it on it's a little bit more concrete about like what this actually is and right. how it works and how it's going to work exactly so um yeah we we do an integrationless pilot um really cheap really quick yeah and so that's kind of so that's kind of your sales funnel like you're you're doing i would imagine thought leadership explaining this you're talking and going out into the world saying hey this thing exists it can solve this problem and then your next step is to do some sort of a test. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we've done tests in the past, and like usually that's kind of how we get engaged with clients. Like right. we start from a, you know, simple, you know, less resource intensive way, and then move up. Now, once they say, okay, this is a go, how long does it take to kind of implement it? So that really depends on their individual system. So. Um, like, for example, some people, some of our clients didn't actually have WMSs. So that, you know, is a completely different process. And if, if that's the case, we have to kind of work with them to figure out how that's going to work. If they're implementing a WMS, do we come after that? Or do we try to help them figure out the WMS system? Right. Um, yeah, so I, I, it's very specific. It's custom yeah. to whatever their situation is. Yeah, but the pilot itself is very quick. It's like 
you know, a few weeks. It's a limited term engagement. And and they can see the benefit pretty quickly. I would yeah. imagine in a day they probably can see uh, something noticeable. Right, right. Yeah, you just have to do a side-by-side -side comparison, basically. Right. So. And then, um, so now where are you at from a company standpoint? Are you fundraising? Uh, what stage are you at? Um, so we're going to an accelerator in Arkansas next uh Next two weeks. Yeah, there's some big retailers in that part of the country. Yeah, <laughs> there are, there are. Um, yeah, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, it'll be interesting definitely to be outside of Atlanta. I love Atlanta, but um, it'll be interesting to be somewhere else and see what they so have So you're physically well. going? Yeah. Your whole team? Yeah. Oh, so you're all moving out? Yeah, just, I mean, it's just for four months, so it's not wow. forever. We'll be back, don't worry. We love Atlanta too much, can't leave. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to... And then um, when you're doing this, this is to demonstrate or this to learn more? Like, what's the reason to go in, into there? Um, so basically, yeah, it's to get clients, essentially. It's, mm -hmm. it's to increase like that proof engagement. proof of concept more? Yeah, yeah, just to start that process again in a different market, mm -hmm. essentially. And then what do you need more of right now? Um, so we're planning on growing our team in the next few weeks. So what, I, I could, What kind of skills do you need? Um Android development would be great. Sales would be awesome. We are um, trying to build uh, more of a sales team because, you know, I, it's been kind of like grassroots so far. So and it's it, been or, or organic based on... Exactly. It's been of, more inbound kind of stuff. So, right. yeah, uh, we're trying to, like, develop those channels. And we've been, like, doing that in the past, but it'd be nice to have, like, a dedicated person that yeah. that's their job and you yeah. can yell at them because well maybe not yell at them <laughs> <laughs> encourage them encourage them yes <laughs> and then um right now what is it there's on uh, my notes says pilot program special offer oh yeah um, so we have like a special up till january 20th that's coming up pretty fast right but, um yeah we have discounted rates until then because we're kind of closing a set of pilots soon so uh -huh. yeah so now a pilot program would be perfect for who um so, e-commerce retail really it the industry is pretty broad. Um, we've done e-commerce, food service, and a lot of different types of people, but um, I think the important thing is case or item level picking. So if you're picking up boxes or if you're picking up individual things to ship out. That's who would, if you're having a pain in that area, this is a good yeah. solution for yeah. you. Yeah, one of our customers um, said something like, you know, what the real challenge is that if, if I get more orders, the only way I could get them out is to hire more, more people. people. But and instead, that, yeah. <laughs> this, this, you probably need less people because they're more efficient. Yeah, or yeah, you could just do more with the same, same amount people. of people. Yeah. And if somebody wanted to learn more about your firm, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, you can email me directly at C-H-A-R-U, that's my name, Charu, um, at O-C-U-L-O-G-X. That's Oculogics.com. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. All right, hang with us. Got one more guest. Next up on ATDC Radio, Zach Aiden, is that correct? With Grassroots. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. So tell us what you guys are up to. Yeah. Um, first off, it's, it's great to get to hear uh, about the other companies that are here. It's been super exciting. Y'all are doing some awesome stuff. Um, Grassroots Labs is uh, an online marketplace for... Um, consumers to purchase uh, clinical laboratory testing or blood tests that they need when they go to see their physician. And then uh, how'd this come about? <clears throat> so basically, um, I was working at an IT consulting firm that I was doing some work for a couple of healthcare nonprofits uh, here in the Atlanta area who were serving people who were 
uninsured or just having a hard time accessing health care. And um, they had some grants from uh, some, some big organizations to give away doctor's visits to people who are managing chronic diseases like diabetes and stuff like that. And um, we, while working there, found out that they had a lot of their patients who were skipping appointments and not showing up. Even though it was free? And it was free because they couldn't afford the lab test that the doctors needed uh. to be able to treat them. <laughs> and um, I just kind of got pissed off a little bit, to be honest. To right. Be like, like, how is this happening? Um, so I uh, I didn't have a technical background at the time. Uh, I but gradu- you went to Georgia Tech. Then. Yeah, I did uh, econ. Uh, and so I, I basically just went and talked to a couple of the labs that they were working with, the National Clinical Labs, and was like, hey, is there a way to build something that integrates into your system that uh, can make this more accessible and more affordable for individuals. And uh, there was a way. Um, So we, um, at that point is when we kind of came to ATDC and started going through their whole educate process of customer discovery and how to how to how to possibly build a business around you know w- would this actually work is there enough um, is there enough actual work here to do to to make an impact in this area so, so who is the customer for the for you guys so for us that customer is going to be individual consumers you know like me you your friends um, and they go on our website and basically they can search for testing that their doctor orders just like you'd look for you know a book on Amazon. Um, prices are there, they're visible, they're transparent. People can see ahead of time what it's going to cost. And I always just encourage people like, hey, look, look at what your doctor charged you last time for your labs and uh, just see if it, you know, what it's going to be. Most of the time, we're like 50% usually or more. Uh, or uh, we're fifty percent or, or less. Yeah, 50%. that's what our savings is for people. So it's um, it's really good, especially for people who are managing chronic diseases. You know, because they, they have, have to have get tests on a regular basis all the time, all the time. So we're good for that. Um, is it for the uninsured? It's for the uninsured, but the, the uh, greater and greater, it's for people who what we would can call underinsured. So in the way healthcare is working now, everything is going towards shifting more and more of the cost of care to individual consumers. So if you even if you have insurance, you're getting pushed to a high deductible plan or your co-pays are going up, all the while your premiums are increasing. So more and more people are having to actually cash flow their own health care. Mm-hmm. So we're a great option for people that um, you know are looking to save some money. Uh, and not have to pay full price for for testing because uh, because you're kind of get creating transparency exactly so as they opposed know to the time. doctor says you need this blood test yeah and then you're just going okay yeah and then it is what it is you don't know what it costs or anything exactly so you know ahead of time you don't get some bill uh, two months down the road that says you owe all this money so um, when you're bringing this transparency to this industry are they okay with that yeah so far um, a lot of it is. Uh, it's so disconnected. Um, there's so many different players in healthcare. You know, you have doctors, you have health systems, you have the labs, you have the insurance companies, and the patients or the consumers basically are trying to figure this whole thing out. Right. And so, with not complete information. Yes, with not complete <laughs> information. So we're very much focused on the consumer and making it more accessible and more affordable for them. Um, and uh, our goal really is just to scale, um, scale, obviously scale, increase our user base, build partnerships with 
um, health systems or employers or other entities who have like pools, populations of people who are looking to try to save on their health care. Now, is this, or did you start regionally or you started locally? So we're national. So, so we work with national right yeah, off yeah. go. So basically the way it works is, is you, you, you know, you go on, you create an account on our site, you find the tests that you need, you purchase them. And then we work with national clinical lab companies that have testing centers all, all across the United States. So are, there, are there a lot of those? Say again. Are there a lot of those? Yeah, there's over 2000 across the U.S. So, wow. I mean, basically almost anywhere you are, there's going to be one within 10 to 15 miles. And then, so like, walk me through the, an example, what's a te- what's a most common test that people get? Yeah. So like, let's say you're managing chronic diabetes and you need to get like an A1C test, which uh, measures like kind of some sugars in your blood and right. uh, cholesterol and stuff like so that. So normally how often do they get that test? Normally anywhere between three to four times a year. Okay. So like every quarter or so they're going mm-hmm. to get this test to see what, where they're at. So then they can, I guess they yeah. they can adjust the medication. Exactly. The doctor needs that information to be able to right. properly treat them. So for us, we save them money on the tests themselves, mm-hmm. but then we also save them money because normally they have to go to the doctor to get an order to go get the test and right. then come back and talk about them. Well, we provide the order for them. So people can skip the first step and just come straight to because the doctor. Because they know every quarter I got to do this. Exactly. So they save indirectly that way. Just the uh, time of a doctor visit. Boom. And the cost of a doctor visit. Yeah. 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 And then, so now you send them to the appropriate, and they can find the one closest to them. And yeah, so our system pricing. automatically just tells them where the closest ones are. You could go to any of them. So, right. like, if you bought tests now and had a trip to California, you could show up in California and go to one there. Right, it's wherever it's most convenient for you because the network we're plugged into is national. And then, they, because you know who they are and what they need, it doesn't matter where the test takes place. They mm-hmm. just want the result of the exactly. test to get back to the doctor to adjust exactly. the medication. Yeah, it's all about getting that piece. Of paper that people need to get the health care they need uh, at when an affordable they need it, price. Right, yeah, at an affordable it. price. So now, um, when did you kind of realize, hey, this is something that could be a, a pretty good business? Well, it was through working here at, or being part of ATDC. So we were in the educate level and then uh, now in Accelerate. And we really utilize um, the mentors here and the catalysts, you know, Frank Ty, Kirk Barnes, Jane McCracken, these people have been super helpful in helping us look at different customer segments that we maybe weren't thinking about before. Was there so, any that you were like, like didn't even occur to you? Oh, that they were like, but, I hey, mean, have you looked at this? Totally. In fact, most of them are because we came into this like I was sort of like had this righteous indignation that I can't believe people can't access care like this. Right. Right. And then you get into the whole thing of like, okay, that's great that you feel this way. Now we need to think about how do you actually build a smart business? And so they expanded our view of like, oh, um, you know, healthcare is a cluster cuss right now. Costs are going up for everybody. So now our product has become um, valuable to almost everybody in the U S. So it's, who do we go to to you know find those people and get access to them? So we're working with um, health systems who promote us to their uh, people that are part right, of Right, so system. you're not going out and putting billboards up. So, you're, you're going to these so health systems and saying, hey, go at here. At this stage, your- yeah. At this stage, we're looking to partner with larger entities that have groups of individuals uh, who we can uh, basically be a referral service to and provide services to. So health systems, large employer networks, 
Um, right. Like there's some that are like take there's a, um, associations or something that serve mm-hmm. the self-employed that mm-hmm. give you kind yeah. of health care. Uh, yeah. So this would be a great solution totally. yeah. that somebody's got a health care savings account, maybe. And they want, you know, they're very cognizant of how much things cost because yeah. it's out of pocket for them. And it's so simple. You know, there's no startup costs. There's no startup time. Uh, we're. You basically just have to put a link on a website and send people there. And right. And you're a over. menu item for them, right? Like, yeah. hey, if you want your labs, go here. Yeah. And they just kind of make an account and yeah. then all of a sudden say, I need this lab test. And they go, go yeah. down the street. Yeah. And that's kind of getting into like where we're going uh, in the future. We're obviously scaling the number of customers and the number of tests that we're doing. But now we're looking at, okay, how do we go beyond this to actually make this data actionable, both for the consumers and then even for the partners that are sending people to us? So mm-hmm. uh, when you think about like a doctor's office that's forwarding customers to us because they they want their people to be able to save money on the tests, like they have problems around um, treatment adherence. So people not showing up for appointments or you know, maybe they, they do show up for an appointment, but then they never got the lab test. So it's wasted time for them. Right. It's wasted time for the doctor. And they um, still don't have the information they need to yeah. treat the person properly. So, so we have all that data. I know if they've gone. I know um, when their appointment's going to be. So we're looking at, you know, building solutions where we can provide some, uh, you know, automated concierge service for patients being like, hey, your appointment's coming up. You should go get your tests. Here's right. where you can do them. You know, and then if they don't do it, we like let the doctor know. So, so like, you can hey, ping them. Why hey. don't you guys reschedule this? Because right, they're, they're not, not going to come. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they come there or not. You're not going to yeah. have the information you need. Yeah. So we're we're basically looking at a lot of different opportunities now where we can apply the data that we have to provide value even beyond just the transactional value that we provide. So now, um, what do you need more of? Um, are you fundraising? Or yeah. Are you? Well, no, we're we're right now we're focused on execution. Uh, we're, I'm always open to opportunities to talk to um, uh, you know investors. investors and stuff like that. Um, right now, we're looking for partnerships with um, health systems, uh, large employer networks. Who you know, we'd love to be able to come in and say, look, here's here's how we can save your people money. Um, it's super easy. You don't have to do anything. Right. Um, just send them to we, this link. Yeah. Just send them to this link. So we're looking for that. We're also um, looking at hiring some salespeople and some more uh, developers um, just because we're we're in this phase of how are we going to be adding to our, our platform uh, to continue to create value for our customers. But you're out there in the wild. It's a use oh, yeah. right now. This you is- can use it right now. Yeah. You can get on your phone and check tests and find test centers and order your labs. And you can be standing outside of a testing center, order it, and then walk in and you're ready to go. Wow. And if somebody wanted to learn more, what's the best way to find uh, They can email me directly at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at grassrootslabs.io, or just go to www.grassrootslabs.io and, uh, and order give, a test. a call. Yeah. Can I order a test from that? You can. You can do it right now. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on ATDC Radio.